go ahead. <laughs> we are recording because we heard the four beats. Yep, this is the beginning of the podcast. Welcome to Above the Fold. And uh, this is podcast numero one. I think it's uno, but I'm not sure. Uh, I'll have to check well, later. we're going to do a bilingual, so we'll do a little bit. Of like, both. Yeah, I don't want to discriminate against either okay. um, gender. Let's so. drop it. Okay. <laughs> I'm Bree, and I'm 25. Mm, okay. So that's all you need to know. Quarter century. Yeah. Um, what do you do, Bree? I work at an advertising agency. I'm a project manager. And interactive services. So you know what that means. No, no, nobody really does. <laughs> no, it's a, one of those words that I don't think, unless you work in advertising, you don't know. Like interactive, oh, okay. But a fancy word for digital, I would say. And um, I, I help people with their websites, and I also have to do SEO. Okay. I get to do it. You get to I'm do it. I'm sorry for my language there. I get to do SEO. Maybe we should talk about SEO one day and just just go on and on about it. I, about that sounds great. Mixed feelings and just the nightmares and stuff. So. Yeah. Is SEO dead? That can be the title because you'll read a lot of articles mm-hmm. titled, Is SEO dead? Right. So we'll get all the clicks and views. Mm-hmm. What well, do you do? My name is Josh. Well, yeah, what is, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> nice to meet you. I am a 24-year-old strapping young fellow. I'm going to be 25 here in a couple months, and we're going to have a party. Mm. And I'm a web developer at an ad agency here in town, a different one than the one Bree works at. But uh, my job description is a little bit less confusing, I guess. I make websites, literally. And then I just make more websites, and then that's what I do every day. Mm-hmm. So I do a little bit of SEO, though, like we talked about before. Mm-hmm. And um, we do with some podcasts like this stuff. And uh, that's my really well-thought-out job description. Okay, good. That's your elevator talk. It's a, well, it's a little long. You yeah, have to shorten I'm it. I'm sorry. I ramble on one time, you know. <laughs> I, I can't even talk straight. There's a time in college when we had a, uh, a get-together in my fraternity and... We were practicing our elevator pitches for, you know, job interviews. It was a bunch of seniors, and I was told that I say um too much. So uh-huh. instead of um, I just say a lot of stupid things that don't make, they, they're just words like ca- couch. And I would, I'll just say <laughs> just those in things. The middle, yeah. In place of um, it's my crutch word. Mm-hmm. So. Well, you've got my attention. Hey, thanks. <laughs> so should we talk about what this podcast is? Yeah, um, I don't know. We we had trouble coming up with a name, but if you work in web development, I think of the, above the fold is something that you have to deal with a lot. Um, it's not like we're going to talk about that solely, though. But it's just to let you know, hey, we're going to talk about some marketing things every podcast, and this podcast we'll talk a little bit about filling out RFPs. For oh websites. Yeah. And what that's like. Yeah. It's really an interesting thing. Thing. We yeah. all, I mean, if you're in marketing, you know probably what an RFP or a request for proposal. Request for proposal is. You probably know how frustrating they are. So we'll talk about those a little bit. 
as we get going and um yeah we'll get into it but uh Bree and I also like to watch tv a lot we have lots of interests particularly comedy shows and all that stuff mm -hmm. so we uh we hope to kind of give a little insight to what is happening there and our thoughts on it and everything so what was the big news this week Bree? well you know we got back Surprise. from a trip yeah we went to colorado yeah that's the great right. state where beer flows like wine mm -hmm. um we met i'm gonna slip in a lot of movie things too okay. so but i probably won't tell you what they're from or okay. we're not gonna go in that detail i'm but, all for one right now okay. i think um well, we went to uh, Colorado. Josh had never been to Colorado. I've been to Colorado many times. I've been going there since I was a little, little kid to go skiing with the fam. And um, my family has a cabin out in Breckenridge, Colorado. It's really nice. It's also really high up. We're at 11,300 feet. So uh, breathing is always the, the topic of conversation. We always just, wow, can you breathe today? How'd you sleep? Awful? Well, yeah, that's typical. Mm -hmm. It's vacation, so hopefully. Right. But um, it's really, it is really pretty up there. And um, our cabin just happens to be a little higher up than normal. Um, but it was your first time going out there and your first time skiing. Yep, skiing in the Colorado slopes. On I... a scale between 1 and 26, what, what do we got? With 1 being... You amazing. felt like your feet were fine. And 50 being my, f my well, feet. Well, we went to 26. Okay, well, just All right, you cool want to go to 50? It. Would you cool it? <laughs> well, I could, yeah, my feet were so sore. I did go skiing in, in high school, Webster City, high school class of 2007. Shout out. I, I was on that trip junior year. We did not use poles. We went to the um, Seven wow. Oaks in Boone, Iowa. And it was like a little hill. Um, I'm sure it was bigger like when I was that age. But looking at Colorado, you're, you're literally on a mountain. And you're going down a mountain on two pieces of... That is like the best way to describe it. Yeah, I was, I've been thinking for a couple of weeks how to describe skiing. You get a couple of flat pieces of, what is it, nylon? Uh, wood Plastic. and plastics. Okay, and the, they're... Some pretty, metal. You guys, they're designed to go really fast down a hill, and I don't know if you they know that. They have a wax coating on the bottom. It makes them slippery. It does, mm -hmm. and you really get going. But mm -hmm. um, what I learned about skiing in Colorado was that it really wears on your legs. You get really tired. Uh, the first few runs we did, um, Bree and and her mom and dad and I went down the same, same runs, as they call them mm -hmm. in the biz. Mm -hmm. And I would fall down, and the worst part is getting back up after you fall down because A, you're on a hill, B, you're wearing giant skis, C, you're just, you're, it takes a lot of work to get up as a normal person on mm -hmm. normal feet. So I was uh, quite tired, and then I think I realized after day two of skiing that I, when I'm doing some tricky back and forth things, trying to keep my balance, I hold my breath. And that's why I was so out of breath at the uh, at each oh, little checkpoint. Really? So yeah, I was just like, I, I started telling myself, nope, just breathe. I know you're like going really fast. Just keep breathing. And then I had a really great time when I could breathe. Yeah. Because it's after when you know when you're breathing hard, it's hard to catch your breath because of the air already. Mm-hmm. 
because you're so. so high up. Yeah. I always say it's like you have to just learn how to fall and you have to be okay with it. And then once you get over that kind of hurdle, then you're good. But falling is like, it's just scary in general. Like I don't like to fall. I don't usually fall right. now, but right. occasionally when I'm going down something really hard, it's just, you lose your balance and you're just down, but uh, tuck and roll. Tuck and roll is the thing. thing. Okay. And, uh, you know, if you need a break, you need a break. Yeah. And, you know, you there are a lot of people out there. You see a lot of people sitting on the edges of hills. and The um, snowboarders. The they one. like the snowboarders. Yeah. They like to go down and then just, just sit down. in the middle. Just just randomly right. sit down and you're like, okay. Get I out of my way. Yeah. You're, you're down, okay? My... My damage report is I fell down probably 10 times total in two days, which is not bad. Mm-hmm. I lost my ski. I uh, lost one ski. I lost it twice during falls. Uh, and luckily, Bree was behind me keeping a close bird's eye view. And she was there to help me find retrieve my ski. Yeah. I don't know what I would have done. Like, I would have climbed You would have just had hill. to crawl oh, up. It would have sucked. It sucks, yeah. When you have to crawl up and try and get your ski, it sucks. So. Yeah, I... Uh, I went and uh, got up, got back up and got going. So I and I only ran over. I hit. I ran into a lady once down, yeah. going down a hill. She was very understanding. I just clipped the back of her skis <laughs> and fell. And she said, "Oh my gosh, are you okay?" And I said, "Yeah, I'm sorry. Are you okay?" And she says, "Yeah, I'm okay." And I said, "This t- this hill is really steep." And she says, "Yeah, it sure is." And then she said, "Well." As long as you're okay, and then I kept going. So um, that's skiing in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what else did we do in Colorado? We hung out at your cabin. It's a very yeah. nice cabin. We went hot tubbing. Hot tubbing. On a on a deck. Yeah, we have a we have a double deck. It's a double decker. Hey yo. Mm-hmm. And the lower deck has the hot tub, so it's always really good to go in that, especially for your little muscles. Mm-hmm. So we went in that. We watched movies. Mm-hmm. What we watched? Is it called Escape? Escape Plan. Escape Plan. Yeah. With uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and um, Rocky. But yeah, that guy. Uh, We're not good with old <laughs> actors. We're good with new age young comedians. Is Sylvester S- Stallone. Stallone. Is Stallone? that his name? I don't. I, I know. There's another. That's guy. okay. I don't know. We didn't no. prepare for this part. Hang on. Um, we could find out. Escape. I spelled escape wrong. Escape movie. We have Escape Plan starring um, Sylvester Stallone. There you go. I nailed it. With uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jim Caviezel. I, I, I didn't think I was going to like the movie, and I did. Yeah, it wasn't So bad. it was actually pretty interesting. I had uh, Curtis 50 Cent Jackson. What an interesting middle name. I wonder if he'll ever attempt a music well, career. He's got a good mom. Okay. And uh, Amy Ryan, who... Uh, yeah, we love her. We love her from The Office, which undoubtedly we'll talk about for hours. But uh, she mm-hmm. played Holly on The Office, mm-hmm. Michael's love and eventual wife and mm-hmm. mother. And kids. they guess where they moved? To Colorado. Circle. Oh, Circle of Life. There yeah. we go. We should have a, a sound effect for Circle of Life. <laughs> Too bad we're horribly unprepared. Like, like some Lion King. That's like the sh- the shouting yeah, the, chorus. Kuna Matata. Kuna Matata. We could, I don't know. Yeah. Um, so what were we? Oh, movies. All right. what, what did a, we do we, there? We also watched um, 
Oh, oh the, the admission. Ahead. Admission with Tina Fey, Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd and um, I think that was it. And that was good. Yeah. It was. Uh, yeah. It was I hadn't heard good. great things. I hadn't. I kind of forgot that it had come out. But I. Yeah, I couldn't believe that I didn't see it in theaters because mm-hmm. that would be typical of me to go see her in theaters, and I just never made it. But by golly, it was a pretty good movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we went out to dinner a couple times. Yeah, down we walked in... around the town, Breckenridge. Breckenridge is a nice tourist town. Yeah. Lots of things going on there. Mm-hmm. So all in all, it's a good trip. But I think it was snowing a lot there. So we were like, it's springtime. We need to go back where it's not snowing. Yes. And Naturally. How, how about the weather, though, when we came back? It was... 50s, 60s, pretty much all week. And mm-hmm. it rained like one day. Mm-hmm. And it's so great coming back to Iowa where normally you would expect to have just the worst weather. Yeah, we've had a really nasty winter. Yeah, so it's really, today it was 85 when I came over. Where, where we are. Where we are, the secret podcast location. In a corner, um, that's all you need to know. In a corner of blank and blank. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we had a good time in Colorado. Should we take a break for our sponsor? Let's take a quick break. Uh, We'll be right back and uh, see you in a little bit. Above the Fold podcast is brought to you by A Night In with Diane, a quirky comedy involving two forgetful lovers. Opening in theaters July 2nd. Diane? Hey, Diane? Uh, nope. Nope, wrong house. No, Diane, it's me. Hey, could I get a hand here? Nope, you have the wrong house. No, seriously, what's going on with you? Ever since the thing at the park yesterday, I I just stepped outside to get groceries. I don't know why you call it a thing. A simple pop and fall isn't a thing. It's just the way I live. I don't know. Maybe it was the water there. You know how public water is. Disgusting and always too expensive. Or it could be that chicken sandwich I ate. When did you have chicken? Last night, for dinner here. Uh, we had spaghetti. I'm starting to think maybe we should see a doctor. Nah. Alright, I'm heading to the bathroom quick. Could you get some beet salad started? Oh, absolutely. Oh, crap. Hey, Diane? What? No, wrong house. No, Di, I need some toilet paper. I left a new pack on the counter. Could you just... What are you doing? Get out of my bathroom. Welcome back to Above the Fold. I'm Josh Larson, and joining me is... Bree Boyson. Okay, thank you, Bree. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, our topic for today is talk, we're talking about RFPs for websites and um, how to deal with them and our thoughts on them, but um, we'll get to that in a little bit. First, we kind of want to talk about some big news in TV this week. Bree, yeah. you want to talk about that? I do. Well, hey, would you talk, please? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, David Letterman says, I'm getting out of here. Uh, he is retiring. I don't know when he's officially, I think it's 2015 that he's not, he's ending his career. I don't know when the date is that he's like leaving for sure. But uh, he needed a replacement, and so Stephen Colbert has been named his replacement as of the late show. Yeah. What's this show called? Late? Late, the uh, late late show with David. No, yeah. that's is that Seth Meyers. His is late night, so it must be late show. Late show. As you can tell, yeah. I uh, 
I watch a lot of NBC yeah. late TV, so. Uh, but I, I, I do think David Letterman, he's definitely a, a great uh, host, and, and he's done a really good job. So, um, but I was kind of, I was wondering when he would be retiring, and so turns out now, and TV late night is really shifted, I think, because Jimmy is now the Tonight Show. We got Seth Meyers on late night, and those guys are both, they hail from SNL, and mm -hmm. so NBC just seems to be like, you you're, you do SNL, and you, you may get a late night TV show. Feeding off the Lauren Michaels machine. Yeah. They're really... And we can talk, like Seth Meyers, I think, I have, I, I we could talk about his show too. Mm-hmm. And Jimmy. Yeah. But um, Stephen, he'll be he'll be doing the the show, and uh, I was I, I didn't know who would get to be the replacement, and I honestly was like, this is a chance for CBS to make a big move and get a woman on board. Yeah. And um, there there was a lot of speculation over like all the the comedians that are women and, and who could take it on and names like Tina Fey, Amy Poehler, Chelsea Handler, Ellen DeGeneres, uh, Wanda Sykes, um, Amy Schumer, and I wanted Amy Poehler to get a show. She already does like her own little uh, helpful videos on YouTube uh, for teen girls and stuff and uh, she's she was already on Weekend Update, just like Seth. So she's she's a good interviewer, and I could definitely see her in that spot. I think Tina Fey is just too busy. She's producing a lot of stuff, and I just wouldn't see her having the time. Mm -hmm. And um, Ellen, I think she she owns that daytime part or that daytime spot. So yeah, she's pretty comfortable where she and, is. Right and now. Chelsea is leaving E, and so then I was like, wait, oh, could Chelsea? But she's just. She's a little too vulgar, I think, for uh, what David's uh, audience is right now, and uh, I don't know that she would be the right fit for uh, prime time, late night. What do we call it? I don't know. Dem demo demographic. Yeah, that, that. Well, yeah. Or just uh, not cable, but you know. Yeah. So. Anyway, mm -hmm. I, I was just, I was kind of excited because I thought maybe they would choose a woman and I think Stephen Colbert is an excellent replacement, but uh, I really wanted a, a girl. Yeah, I, I think it, they really missed an opportunity there, CBS, to throw in a woman in that role that you don't see a whole lot of women in besides Chelsea Handler, like you said. And yeah, she was the, she was the only one. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what she's up to. I think a couple of things are really interesting about this whole ordeal, um, just starting from the way the media have handled the Leno or sorry the Letterman announcement. I don't quite remember what how the Leno uh, retirement announcement went down. Uh, it seemed like it was a much longer decision. Yeah, all like this... we knew he was retiring, and then or we knew that he was going to be retiring. So mm -hmm. then, who would be his replacement? But then. Um, Jimmy was selected, but then it was like six or nine months or something before he actually retired. I think it's, I don't know if I paid as much attention to everything back then when that happened, which was actually pretty recently, but it seems like since, Le or since Letterman has announced his retirement, 
every news outlet has run stories on Dave Letterman's top 10 moments ever. And it's like, okay, he's still got a year left. Mm-hmm. And what are you, you're going to do all of these stories again in a year. So that kind of bugged me from a journalistic perspective. But um, yeah, I think it's good that CBS kind of rode the, all of the attention into this quick decision. And it's really signals their intentions to get a younger audience, I think, because Letterman was, um, he had his share of, of mm-hmm. older people. I don't know the exact demographics or whatever, but Colbert is definitely a younger audience. It fits in with the John Stewart um, demographic, and he's yeah. going to pull all those people over. So, because I've and I've been wondering, like, what will Colbert be like in this new position? Because he kind of has an act with his current show. Yeah. So, is he going to still be like that, or is he going to just? be his normal self i really doubt it i think i mean he clearly he's 100 percent acting and he's got this will will willingly ignorant character um who he plays on the colbert rapport and i think he's going to be actually stephen colbert when he comes over to uh, cbs and i mean he's interviewed so many people he has a guest on pretty much every show and and he makes them uncomfortable because yeah. he always plays the the opposite of you know their intention usually so I think he'll be fine in a role where he can just be his normal self and he'll still be I'm sure there'll still be an ingredient of funny outrageous weird stuff but probably toned down a little bit for the network audience Mm -hmm. yeah he uh he's a really cool guy do you remember when his mother passed away or his mother was struggling and he always told those stories about his mother raising all of the kids and being a, as tough as nails and that stuff. Mm-hmm. He's got an interesting backstory. So yeah. he seems like a good character, and I think he'll do just fine on the CBS. Mm. So why do you think women haven't been in that network late-night talk show role yet? I, yeah, that is the question. It's time, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Um and I think there's so many, so many funny women out there right now, which is just what I'm like so into. And um, there are so many people that could do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at SNL cast right now. I don't know how it's been like gender percentage wise with past casts, but right now you you have women dominating. Mm-hmm. So it's been I feel like it's been women dominating dominating for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, since I, I've been watching it for the past what, 15 years yeah. that I've been actually like watching it. so um, It's just been the men, though, who have graduated and come up, I guess. So maybe give it a couple of years and, yeah. and the women will have their time. But I don't know. It's, yeah, it's one of those weird things. It, I don't think it's like a risky thing. Um, but I just maybe they're just not in the forefront when there are executives making decisions. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, you see a lot of women hosts in daytime TV, and you don't see a ton of men in daytime. So maybe men feel like, where are we? Come on. So. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I hope I hope someday there'll be a woman. A funny, a funny woman hosting a, a late night TV show. Yeah, me too. We can dream. 
We can dream. Oh, we weren't singing there? <laughs> oh, okay. We were rapping. Rap. That was pretty <laughs> hardcore. Well, I think uh, maybe we take well, another yeah. another quick break and um, we'll be talking about good this, old fashioned marketing. This is where, what you've been waiting for. This is what you've been waiting for. Hi, my name is Bernie Wallace and I'm your local telephone book advertising salesman and I'm here to present you with a very unique opportunity and you don't want to forget about what I'm about to tell you today. I'm going to offer you a spot in the telephone guide for an advertisement. So you know telephone books and people have used them for centuries, really centuries and every time someone picks up a a, a telephone you know it's going to be a purchase made. Okay they have their pens, they have their credit cards ready to go and you know that you want your business's name to be right there on the telephone book. Okay, the telephone book is the most important part of advertising today. Uh, just ask my assistant, Doris. I love my telephone book. Thank you, Doris. She writes things down for me and she's a very good helper. So today I want you to call my number, 1-800-TELEPHONE-BOOK-SALESMAN. Uh, just the abbreviation of that until you run out of numbers. So call, call, remember, 1-800-TELEPHONE-SALESMAN. Call today because I'm going out of business next week. Thank you. Welcome back. This is uh, Above the Fold, and I'm Bree. I'm Josh. Okay, so we are going to get into the main topic of the day of this podcast, which is uh, government RFPs, Request for Proposals, and doing them for website projects. And we just have a few frustrations we want to talk about. Right. So first, let's let's talk about what is an RFP. When do you mm-hmm. interact with RFPs in your role as a as like a project? Well, any company or business entity can submit an RFP, and they 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 don't just have to be advertising related. They can be for you know filling cement in in a parking lot, you know, and people will bid to get the the job but um in advertising we get them a lot and a company could want a rebranding or something and so they're going to put their rfp out there specifying their wants and their their desires and then the agency comes back answering the questions within that rfp and giving them an estimate as far as how much is it going to cost to do the work and uh Government RFPs are a little bit more nitpicky, and they require much more work up front, and um, they have specific rules that you have to follow within that RFP, and if you don't format something right, uh, you can your, your, your proposal then can just be thrown out, and uh, you're not a player in the game anymore just because you didn't label section 2 point uh, seven with the right uh, font or the the right margins or you know whatever um, and it's it's bizarre in that way and uh, it makes you nervous as you're preparing it because you don't want to do something stupid and then have everybody point at you and say oh well, you didn't read the, the directions there okay um, I know that I've spent many hours organizing and Uh, coordinating and and dumping content into the main document for RFPs 
and uh, and then when you don't get the work, it's like, gosh, you know, I just spent an entire week of time working on this, and uh, when you get the work, then it's like, okay, great, uh, that paid off, but then you're like, do I really want to do this now? Like, this was a lot, <laughs> just to get your business was a lot of work. Yeah, so it's pretty much a very structural, planned, tried and true method of getting an estimate from companies about how to get a project done. So we, we get them all the time from, like you said, government entities. And, and the reason they have to, they, they actually have to send those out. Um, I, I talked to a friend uh, who actually works for the state procurement office and who kind of explained this to me more in depth, but essentially it's, it's there as a safeguard to protect, you know, us as citizens of, you know, the United States and of Iowa from people going to their friends for all this contract work and essentially making each other millionaires, um, which really makes sense. But it's really painful, though, to get these RFPs in their current states from these companies who need something done where the process for just a regular old company mom and pa shop that wants a website made is so simple. Um, you, it's better for I guess a number of reasons right now. I guess number one, you you approach it as you typically do with an agency, and you you show them you know your your cards and you you play the best hand you got and and play up who you are and then deliver the best product you can knowing that they're going to give you good referrals and and you're going to be able to you know show off the work that you did um and so you you aren't restricted to you know 12 point helvetica font or what some Mm -hmm. some silly format Mm -hmm. in your proposal you're going to give them what your agency does best and and so that i mean already is giving you so much more creative freedom um you aren't bogged down with all that formal you know formality stuff and then i guess the gripe i have with these rfps as a web developer is that um, so many times our account manager will come to me and talk about um, this this company is asking if we can um, we're capable of building this this site if if the server that we're going to be hosting their site on is going to be compatible with all of this technology and the problem is that the technology is years old um for example the most recent one i worked with was the company was asking for microsoft front page support and like if you've worked in web development in the last 10 years you'll know front pages essentially die you know dead it's an old microsoft thing that came and went and um, that's clearly something that was just left on a template from the last rfp um, that that person probably had pulled from and they didn't they they don't know the difference and um it's so tough to answer those questions because oftentimes those those rfps will part of the stipulation is that you only have a certain amount of time to ask questions and sometimes they won't answer questions but in a like a large conference call with a bunch of other companies on the line so Mm -hmm. it's like you know other people are going to be asking the same questions but then you don't want to be throwing a fit about this old technology if, yeah. if other companies won't Well, be. and you feel like as the agency, you're the person or you're the, the, the part of the, the project where you're supposed to come up with the best recommendation and then they tell you what they, they think they should have. But you know, you should know best as to 
what they should have and if they just go from prior RFPs and just copy and paste, oh, we did this for this one, so we'll just do it for this one as well, then it's frustrating because then you're, you're having to say, okay, yes, we'll support this, but you may not need this and you're wasting your money here. And uh, it's, it's, it makes it that much more difficult, I think, to fill out and then to, to submit. How many hours do you think you've spent just trying to fill out a request for a proposal? And that, this is like requesting like for a chance to do the job. This isn't actually doing the job. The most recent one, I felt like I spent like 30 hours doing it. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of time and agency time where you get, you bill hourly a lot of times for clients. Yeah, I mean, if you up. looked at, yeah, how much money that would have cost. And and the expectation then is, okay, we would recoup these costs if we got the, the job, but if we don't get the job, then it's just negative dollars mm-hmm. there. So I think uh, just trying to understand what they're asking for and sometimes they're so vague that uh, you don't you don't know how to answer the questions and typically they they require that you answer each part of what they are asking and if you so if you don't respond to like this website will be compatible in these browsers if you don't respond to like that then it's called considered non-responsive and uh, then you can be dropped from yeah. the decision process so is he, it's the easiest way for them to drop you out of everything mm-hmm. they, they need to weed that list down and you know pick one in the end you know yeah they don't really care that you and it's and, and I don't think we're, we're not trying to say that RFPs are total waste of time and don't ever do them at all but I think that we've gotten so many of them that over the years that we've just it's just been so frustrating to to try and bid for these these jobs that we've thought hey is there a better way is there is there a better to how way. do we approach this better <laughs> you never know so one of those ways i i reached out to my friend at the procurement office and i was like why is the rfp process broken and he responded with well i don't think it is and I was like, okay. well, you idiot. Of course it is. <laughs> but then he explained that, you know, it's there for a reason. It's doing its job. Mm-hmm. And I think, well, clearly majority of people who have to deal with these things hate them. And I bet if you ask someone in a government office, you know, some Joe or Sally who's like, okay, it's your job now to get us a, a quote for a new website, you know, they probably haven't worked in web development for years. They don't work with agencies on a daily basis. They don't even know what to ask for. So we're working with people who are undereducated as far when it comes to creating these RFPs, and that leads to a really poor experience for everyone else. So I think what we've come up with is maybe we need to educate people. Mm-hmm. So they know what they need to include in the RFP. And then what can they leave up to the agency to just recommend? Right. They and not be like, hey, we need this. If you don't provide this, we're not going to choose you. Um, let the agency be the expert mm-hmm. in this case. Because that's why you're, you're asking for someone else to do the work for you. So let them actually do that work. Right. It's always a the classic problem of trying to... F- 
solve all of your problems before you even start working on it. Um, that's kind of what RFPs are right yeah. now. They it's try like to jumping to tactics before you even have like the overarching strategy. Mm -hmm. they, they, they apparently, I mean, and it's a, for a good reason too. I mean, you're working with government money. You have to be accountable for that. You can't go hand over a hundred grand to a company that says, yeah, we promise we do it the best way and then deliver the worst product in the world. Mm -hmm. They That's why they put all those things in there. But the problem is that when they have to get that deep into the, this, the technical aspects of things, that's where, you know, typical government slowness runs into to the, the issues of not being up to date with the latest technology and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So our idea is to start a online resource. We're going to call it a website RFP. And very <laughs> clever. This we, is why we work in this business. We work in this biz because we know what the peeps want. <laughs> it's on my business card. Yeah. I got new business cards, by the way. Because you've got a new place of business. We, Address. Uh, my office just moved, and we also have Twitter handles on there, so I can't change my Twitter handle now. Um, I, did, I didn't get as many business cards as I did at the last place. I think I got like 2,000, and I still have about 1,700 of them. So um, okay. they did not order, they ordered me about 250 this time. Yeah. But, um, I'll just wait till you get a new job title. Yeah. Isn't that right? Yeah. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I think with my old business cards, when I got a new job title, I think I still have them, but mm -hmm. I might just throw them away. Like, I don't know what to do with them. I thought about feeding them I would to. Recycle. What about the raccoons, though? Do they like paper or. Um, Side dish. So, okay, so, not a main course thing. No. We're looking more at like uh, old. Well, they need fiber too, so. Old newspapers, mm -hmm. maybe thicker and a little bit more grainy. Mm -hmm. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're going to start this website RFP. Um, I bought the domain. I bet you can guess which one it is because it's taken, but. Haha! -ha. <laughs> Suckers. <laughs> Suckers. Take that, Zuckerberg. Uh, we're going to put lots of tips and tricks to uh, creating an RFP. This will mainly be a resource for people who are working in larger companies who, who create these things but really don't have the knowledge or, or expertise to back up what they're asking for. So we want to make that possible, and I think we will with this new website. Yeah. It's going to be open source. Uh, people will be able to go in and, and look at the code and add and remove things and alter things as they wish through a, an approval process and everything. But that way, if um, people disagree with how we um, pose our requirements, they will object and explain their reasoning. So I think it'll be a good open process. The problem is finding time to do it yeah. because we're so busy. Busy is the equivalent of fine. And fine is the equivalent of busy. Not okay. Not okay. <laughs> Awful. Awful. Yeah. Well, I can't wait for it to be done. Uh, give us one year. Give us about one year, and when I say one year, I say keep the next two years and keep it in your books just in yeah, case. Yeah, we're gonna delay. We'll have reasons for the delay. It will be like healthcare.gov, most likely. Yeah. Which has a lot to do with RFPs and the, the flawed RFP education process. Mm -hmm. Whole bucket of chicken nuggets that we don't even <laughs> want to get into at this point. <laughs> well, we've been talking to you for almost 40 minutes, and 
it's kind of a weird time to end a podcast. But yeah. We have to go now. There's a man at the door. Shoot. He's got a bag of groceries. <laughs> I did not order any groceries. Okay, well, stay above the fold. Goodbye. Bye.